Hey everybody, welcome back to another special episode of the Catholic Talk Show. It's the July 4th edition. Yeah, we're going to talk about the history of Catholicism in America. We're going to talk about the secret Catholics in the 13 colonies and the anti-Catholic laws there. We're going to talk about the only Catholic to sign the Declaration of Independence. And we're going to talk about how Catholics got the words under God added to the Pledge of Allegiance. America. Let freedom reign, baby. USA! 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 Excited to have you guys here for this awesome episode. I'm really looking forward to it. I love Murica. I'm wearing my Murica shirt. Y'all like it? I'm wearing my two-time undefeated back-to-back World War Champion shirt. <laughs> and I am wearing my Let Freedom Reign clerical outfit right now. Because <laughs> God has a part in every... And yes, he does. Everything. He's got a huge part in the founding of America. You yeah. know, the, the fact that our founding fathers and what we're about to learn about the Catholic Church's role in relationship to the New World is a really exciting history. So yeah, we're not talking... Christopher Columbus here. We're talking about Jesus, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And so, guys, we are so excited that you join us every single week for the Catholic Talk Show, that you're going to our website, catholictalkshow.com, that you're participating in all of our comment sections and social media and Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and most importantly, that you're supporting the show with patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. And by doing that, you're helping us continue to provide this service to you. And as we grow together in the unity that Christ provides to us, we truly enter into that freedom. And that's what this whole episode's about, entering into the great, greater freedom that Christ provides to us and how that freedom was established right when we started, right here in the new world in the United States of America. 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 So let's get started. So the, the, the relationship between Catholicism and the United States has always has been a difficult and pretty winding one. Tenuous at beginning. And tenuous, yeah. yeah. There's been a long history of anti-Catholicism, but also massive contributions to the American project by Catholics, right? And then there was also the, like the colonization efforts too, and because Protestants. you have you know Great Britain, you have you have uh, the Indians. Spanish colonization, you yeah. have the yeah you have the natives and their their respective religious practices. Yeah. So you've got a lot of stuff going on. Do you know who, uh, who America is named after? Hmm. Uh, America Despucci. <laughs> Close. It's 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 a Amerigo Despucci. Vespucci. Yeah. Vespucci. He Vespucci. was, he was a Catholic. Job, an dude. Italian Guido. You know, a Guido. You know all the Italians were the ones that sailed over here, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, like they just they went after it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Columbus dude. was Italian. Mm-hmm. So Amerigo yeah, mm-hmm. Vespucci was an Italian mm-hmm. explorer and a Catholic. Um, and that's who our country is named after. So even the very country name, America. Is but he after. founded like South America, right? Well, he founded like he was, all of the United, you know, the Americas, the Americas North and yeah, South. The so, okay, look, cartographers dude, named he it after. Landed him. on South America for the first time. You can't just like claim the whole. Well, that's who it's named double after. Continent thing. That's well, the Americas. It is the Americas. It's North and South like, America. Yeah, it is. That's, <laughs> okay, look, you can't that's dispute cool with that. Hey, look, I'm we, cool with that. I'm good with that. It's America. So I mean, even our even our very country is named after a Catholic, right? Now. 
in our but country, not only our country, but the entire, the entire, entire hemisphere. Right. And he's Italian. Right? Yeah. Hey, praise the Lord. How about those guidos, huh? Yeah, you guys are doing pretty good. <laughs> but after that initial colonization, really, America is very much founded by Protestant English and then the French. The French as well. And yeah. the Spanish. Yeah. Those are the three kind of colonial powers. And, and, and to some extent, the Dutch, too, mm -hmm. right? The Dutch did have an important role in uh, New Amsterdam and mm -hmm. what became New York, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the first real permanent English settlement was um, Jamestown, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Now, Jamestown, Virginia was a colony started by um, Protestants from England coming over for religious freedom because they thought even the Church of England was too religious-y, right? Yeah. Um, but um, excavators finding, um, you know, finding the burial sites there have found in the last couple of years secret graves where people were secretly holding rosaries. So, so even, awesome. So even in the very first colony of the English settlement of the Americas, um, Catholics were there, secretly there, because they weren't allowed to openly mm -hmm. practice their faith in that settlement. Really? Mm -hmm. So there was like... It was no, and it was a, it was a denounced religion, and from the beginning, before yeah. they even began right. the colonization process, England. yeah, absolutely, it was denounced in, in yeah. Europe, yeah. So yeah, I mean, even there, they found their way in. But the the oldest permanent settlement in the United States is is your home, your home diocese, diocese de San Agustin. You know, the diocese of Saint Augustine. Or in the Italian Ponce San Agostino. So, and that, uh, you know, the whole idea of like what locals just, you know, articulate, St. Augustine comes from the Spanish San Agustin. So people always ask, you know, that question academically, we always say St. Augustine. And, but the, but the proper pronunciation on a local level is San Agustin, St. Augustine. Mm. And so, yeah, that was the true first mission that established a city in the, in the new world, in the United States of America. Yeah. And it was the successful mission. There were it, previous ones, but it was actually the first one that was successful. Mm -hmm. And it began on September 8th, the feast of the nativity of the blessed Virgin Mary. And it started wow. with the erection of a cross. And the celebration of mass. And what city do you know was founded by the Celebr celebration of a mass Man. and the erection of the cross? And what I love too is that it was founded by diocesan priest, Father Lopez, which was really cool from Spain. And it's there's a sense of diocesan secular priesthood where it's like living in the world but not being of the world. And that new beginning in the new world for us, that we have that in our backyard in St. Augustine an altar that commemorates that reality. We have the largest cross in this hemisphere. Re remembering. Wow. wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Remembering what, when the cross was elevated here in the new world. So it's a pretty special place. So if you've never been to St. Augustine, make sure that you, that you come. Have you ever been to St. Augustine? I have. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I have. Historically speaking, mm -hmm. that's a derivative from... Columbus's exploration and then the ones that followed yes. because it was all Spain. Right. Yeah. Columbus was Spain. Yes. And Ponce de Leon was, was St. Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But so then after moving on from these initial settlements and in the, the age of exploration to where it really becomes a colonial situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Spain, the, the uh, Spanish had, you know, Mexico at, at some points they had Louisiana and then it'd be back and forth between the French and they had California. But 
the history that we learn in the history books really does focus on the 13 colonies. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we're going to focus. And those colonies were very much founded by the English. And very specifically, very anti-Catholic English. Right. Well, not even so much. Like no. Massachusetts was founded by Puritans. Okay. And Puritans thought that the, the Church <clears throat> of England, again, far too popish, right? Gotcha. They were really trying to get to a very primitive religion, right? And they weren't even popish. They were just, they divided from the Pope, but it, the yes. liturgy and everything and else it was, was too like high for the them. Same. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I've just realized most recently, I was having a conversation that the Puritans and even the Quakers are still in active devotion and they, mm-hmm. they do have a certain congregational, uh, you oh, know, yeah. Yeah, presence still. I saw some in, in the, the United States. The other day. Yeah. Really? Were they wearing like the hat with yep. the shoes, and the buckles and everything? Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, well, not the shoes and the buckles Well, I know anymore. Quakers are still around. I just didn't know about Puritans. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, they were definitely from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Oh, that might be like the Pennsylvania Dutch or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, these colonies, I mean, if you look at the laws of the colonies, they had specifically anti-Catholic laws for like the colony of Virginia. Catholics were not allowed to settle in Virginia. Really? 1642, they passed an act. Uh, so no the, the 13 colonies were very anti-Catholic? Extraordinarily anti-Catholic. Wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Massachusetts, even- Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Bay Colony. It was illegal to be a Catholic there. Now, when we think of Catholicism in America, we think Boston. That's like kind of like one of those really hotbeds or one of those deep Catholic rooted places. Because of the Irish. Right. Mm -hmm. But there, because that was founded by the Puritans, it was illegal to be Catholic. Mm. And even the conflicts that happened in St. Augustine in the state of Florida, Mm -hmm. that's why you have the Florida martyrs and the cause that was opened up a few years back in Tallahassee. There was a lot of bloodshed in relationship to that that anti-Catholic sentiment. Is that the the natives anti-Catholic? No, no, no. no, no. It was once the uh, Florida was no longer in Spanish control, but in control of the U.S. federal government, there was a massive clash because there was Catholicism there. Oh, yeah. there was. And Get there's out. a phenomenal history of that anti-Catholic sentiment wow. that then ended in bloodshed with native converts. Mm-hmm. Antonio Quipa is the lead proto-martyr that is being pushed forward as the one who was likened into St. Joseph and had an apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary while he was dying on mm. the cross wow. in the state of Florida. But wow. even Father Augustine was a martyr in St. Augustine, and he was killed, and his blood hit the ground right where Mission Nombre de Dios is. So we're practicing Catholicism right now in America. Nobody's hunting us down. This is a good story that's unfolding right now. It's It's powerful, yeah. So all these colonies had very, very anti—like for Rhode Island, they allowed Catholics, but they weren't allowed to vote. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was very, very um, oppressive. Yeah. Um, But but one of the colonies was actually founded as a Catholic settlement— and that was Maryland, 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 yeah, Maryland. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Maryland, the first settlement, the first colonists to arrive in Maryland arrived at St. Clement's Island and they founded the settlement of St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Now, this was considered kind of a safe haven for Catholics coming from um, England because there's still a lot of Catholics in England at the time under really heavy um, oppression. Um, but. George Calvert, he, you know, he was a Catholic and he made a safe haven. And he, so this was the place where Catholics in the new world, in the 13 colonies could come. Like where they welcomed them. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't last. Mm. Really? No. So in 18, in 1692, 
the the population kind of shifted because the colony was doing well. So more and more English were coming over and more and more English were um, C of E, right? And they overthrew the Maryland government and officially installed the Church of England by law as the official colony government, uh, state religion. And they forced Catholics to pay incredibly high taxes, so much that they really couldn't afford to live. Mm. So they tax Catholics just because they were Catholic higher. <clears throat> they outlawed in Maryland the mass and sacraments and Catholic schools. Jeez. And Baltimore was like the, <clears throat> eventually became the seed of Catholicism mm-hmm. in the United States. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is another story we're unfolding here. Yeah. It really is. And, and what I love just in my own personal life, I'm, I'm still a young priest. I've only been a priest into my seventh year. And where I'm from, I'm from the first mission, Mission Nombre de Dios, the successful mission. And then I studied for my MBA in film producing and and telecommunications out in San Diego, where the first mission of the state of California was, St. Junipero Serra founded that church. And there's martyr's blood there as well as St. Augustine. Father Jaime, Father Luis Jaime was killed uh, in that evangelization effort. And now, you know, I look at how God has led me into preaching missions in different parishes and different settings. The first real true mission that I preached was in Baltimore, Maryland. And, and, um, I went out to Germantown and preached at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, which was happened to be my first parish. Yeah. Well, Well, Dominique Seraphim is there. Big shout out to her and her brother, Father Pierre Toussaint with the CFR is one of my best friends. Her brother. Yeah. Her brother. And, um, so we're actually going to preach a mission together. (laughs) Yeah. Let me know where that's It's going to be legit. Oh my gosh. But to be able to connect with that mission territory as well. And then the mission in San Antonio and the missions in Texas and being able to visit all the missions of the state of California, tapping into our roots is so important because it is the foundation of our faith in the United States of America. And there's been a lot of persecution, a lot of martyr's blood, as well as that struggle of being to proclaim truth, to proclaim the good news. It should be met by that type of confrontation and persecution because it purifies it. A lot lot of blood has been let to... Um, enable you here in 2019 to practice your ministry. Yeah. And I, so freely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty powerful. Blood. Yeah. yeah. So Maryland really is, that was the place for Catholics, but that is essentially the primate primatial see of the United States. Yeah. That was the first Bishop. Mm-hmm. Now before that, during and just before, just before and just after the civil, I'm sorry, the revolutionary war, um, Catholics in America were under the jurisdiction of the bishop, the Catholic bishop of London. Now, there was no Catholic bishop in London at the time, but that was the uh, the suffragan bishop, right? That would allow, that would be under their ordinance. Now, after the Civil War, they petitioned Rome because they said, "Look, we're here now. There is enough of us." Let's get some real infrastructure here. So they petitioned uh, Pope Pius the, uh, Pius the Seventh and said, "Can we have a? Can we have a bishop? Isn't that the Pope Pius clock up there? It is. So we have a clock that uh, <laughs> for all twelve it's Piuses kind of cut off on the thing. But yeah, there's a Pope Pius clock there's up Pope there. Pius, there's twelve Pope Piuses. You get the twelfth. This is the twelve, and then you get the one, and then the two, and then the three. <laughs> It's and the one and the two clock. and the three. <laughs> so well, you sound like Frank Caliendo, yes. you know, like doing a doing a John Madden impression. Forget about it. So you I, take the turkey, you put him in the duck. 
Ted Duncan. So the first bishop of in the United States was Bishop John Carroll of yes. Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's got high now, school. Now, now remember this everywhere. name because we're going to get to this in a second, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on uh, June 6, 1784, Pope Pius VI um, confirmed that he was going to be the bishop there. Mm-hmm. Now, Baltimore does not have, it is not the primate of America. Now, most countries or most regions, the first bishop of the area is the primate of that area. There's mm-hmm. like the primate of Italy or the primate of Ireland or the primate of Germany. But Baltimore does not get that right. But they are granted special... Um, I guess um, faculties. Faculties. They have a prerogative of place is the mm-hmm. official term. Right now, so when there is maybe like a plenary meeting, they don't have the primate right, but they do get that honorific deference. Mm-hmm. So first Catholic bishop John Carroll. The Declaration of Independence was only signed by one Catholic. Out of all the people who signed it, only one, because they weren't trusted, they weren't integrated into society, and the people who signed the Declaration of Independence were pretty influential. They were the people who can make society swing, yeah. right? Yeah. Who was the Catholic that signed the... I, don't, I didn't John know John Carroll. No. <laughs> I just made His cousin, up. Charles Carroll. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? Saying. He had a, such a huge influential family, the Carroll family. The Carroll family really... You Catholic Americans... Look up the Carroll family because yeah. we owe so much Absolutely. to this family. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, wow. Carroll family, the Gibbons family, I'm recalling different families that uh, I studied in in a seminary. It was a while back, but Families, yeah. family. Families. The Delacroix family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's kind of shining you up right now. Oh, the families we got to honor right <laughs> now. Familiar. <laughs> we started with that Guido that came over to Medigo. You know, hey, hey, this Medigo, this Wucci. You know, no, yeah. So I think the most, the most famous signature on the Declaration of Independence is John Hancock, right? That's yeah. Everyone knows what that signature looks like. Yeah, it's the in the thing. middle. It's really big. Yep. He, and he yeah, was ostentatious. He was and it was a real oh, yeah. thumb in the eye to the king, right? So you could tell his kind of mindset when he was signing the Declaration of Independence. Now, Charles Carroll was a, a few steps in line behind John Hancock. Mm-hmm. And he was Hancock was watching other people who came after him sign, and he saw Charles Carroll sign the Declaration of Independence. Now, everyone else who signed it just wrote their name, whether it was big or whatever. Yeah. But Hancock teased um, Carroll and said, well, there's so many people named Charles Carroll that the king won't even know which one of it was, and you're not risking anything. So John Carroll actually signed the independence, the Declaration of Independence twice. He went back up and added of Carrollton so that the king was damn sure that he knew that he was the one signing it. Wow. And Carrollton, I lived in Maryland for six years. That's a town there. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. I think that's where he lived. No, no, that is that's John. That's Charles yeah, that's Carrollton of Carrollton. Yeah, how neat. Yeah. yeah. So before this, in the colonies, there's a lot of anti-Catholicism, but now everyone has to kind of band together a little bit. Now we're America. The colonies are in a war with our overlords, the Britain, the British, and George Washington was actually a pretty fair-minded individual, especially towards Catholics, and. A lot of the tide of Catholicism in those early 13 colonies changed with the Continental Army because George Washington was like, look, you're not going to kick a good soldier out of my army just because he's Catholic. Right. And if mm-hmm. they're fighting and dying for this country, they are one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the he attitude. had a vision he had. for the nation that is be- was beautiful. 
And it was unifying. Yeah. And that's the best part about it. And though we all suffered through that in our own respective lineage, you know, most of us, our lineage was still in Italy, most yeah. likely, because yeah, it, it was, was my grandfather. There, yeah. yeah, we yeah. were still in Italy. But um, it you know, opened up the door. It opened up the door for what, you know, the United States still is and has been yep. in respect to all nations finding a sense of identity and unity mm -hmm. and that's that's freedom. the beauty of, and freedom to America. Be, yeah America America, man. America. USA that's 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 when you say that I'm that's so it. proud to be I'm I'm proud to be an American yeah me too I, I'm very very proud of up? my national heritage <laughs> proud to be up. an American <laughs> where at least I know I'm free <laughs> but no that's, that's very true I mean in all honesty I'm, I'm extremely proud of being an Italian I'm extremely proud of my Irish heritage as well, because that's where a lot of my faith traditions come from uh, in respect to my Irish family, very strong faith lineage. Sorry, you have Irish. <laughs> well, you have a little bit of Irish too, and you don't. My name's Ryan. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the fact that I'm, Amer I'm very proud to be an American. I have multiple generations that served in the military and, and served our great country. And I'm so happy to be here with you guys and, and really uncovering this history. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is and awesome. We're still uncovering it because now we have. Have Carol signing so, okay. the Well, then George Washington, he wrote he, a letter. He did. You're right. To Catholics. Oh, he, really? Yeah. So after America won the war, because that's pretty much that's what, that's what we do. do. We win wars. And you got the shirt. <laughs> You've got the <laughs> And, uh, you know, God the father of our nation, you know, led our troops to victory. He wrote a, he wrote a letter after the war to Catholics in America um, on March 15, 1790. Mm. And this was specifically addressed to all Americans, but to Catholics. And there's a really great thing that he wrote in here that I think is really telling of of his mindset as the father of our nation and his attitude towards Catholics. I'm so, so excited oh, to hear oh. this right now. Mm. I hope to ever I hope ever to see America among the foremost nations in examples of justice and liberality. And I presume that your fellow citizens will not forget the patriotic part which you took in the accomplishment of their revolution mm. and the establishment of their government or the important assistance which they received from a nation in which the Catholic faith is professed. Mm. What? Yeah. That's bizarre. It's like kinda, that went from like anti-Catholic to like, okay, I'm no, no, no. in on He's like, look, I want all Americans to remember the service that you gave to this country, right? And he's identifying what they did. Yeah. yeah. And he's saying, okay. look, this is and a nation he, for you. He's in. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're what you're you're with us, and you. Wow. I want all Americans to recommend. It's a, it's a huge diplomatic and pastoral action. The fact that of George he had Washington. to do that too yeah. speaks volume oh, to like, sure. the opposition yeah. of yeah. The, the church. Well, and 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 talk about that sentiment that was so strong in that age. Yeah, you know the fact that he was going to speak to that. Boldly, that was that took George a lot Washington. Of, I mean, talk about oh, dude. a man, yeah, and and not pulling any punches. No, he was on the battlefield. He was on the battlefield. He was like, a warrior. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't like a, a true diplomat in the sense of politician oh. that we know today. Oh, gosh. He, Lord have mercy. He was a real. He was an archetype of the American man that yeah. went to come for the next yes. hundreds of years. He had vision. He did. Like, he had vision for this country, mm -hmm. and. He fought for it and mm -hmm. and won it and and integrated it. Mm -hmm. You know, 
can't be overstated how important that was. Oh, yeah, that's huge. I should be wearing a George Washington I know. Shirt, I, I want a G-dub on my That's on my George chest. Washington's pet eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Augustus, come to me. For those Get of, the red coats. <laughs> for those of you who are only listening to the podcast, I you got should, a sweet shirt yeah, on. You should yeah, definitely it's an, tune it's in. It's an American eagle with an American flag, bandana, and sweet aviator glasses and a mullet. It's it's absolutely <laughs> epic. Yeah. You just, yeah. You have America. Yeah. So it's true. I, I want to find out more about what happened post-Revolutionary War and that anti-Catholic sentiment continued into that into that next phase of history. Yeah, you know, I would say that it went from being like an institutional hatred to almost an irrational fear and a hatred. Mm-hmm. And it gave rise to some of the ugliest moments in American history. So even though Catholics kind of really were integrated in society after the Revolutionary War, and and uh, you know Washington wrote this great letter. It wasn't smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. There was after this, what happened with after the Napoleonic Wars in Europe and a lot of famines and a lot of change in Europe. The the make of the immigrants coming to the United States changed from being Scottish and. English and you know things that were acceptable to, to the Italians. Society. Yeah, to uh, all of our swarthy Guidos. My, my name, Della Cross. Della Croce. There's no such name. Yeah. You you can look it up anywhere. It's Della Croce. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather came over and they're like, "Look, I can't send you to this neighborhood mm-hmm. because you're gonna you know be persecuted. We're gonna change your name." Mm. And I, I always thought, like, we should change our name back, you know, but I don't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't a, a fight paperwork. that I wanted to take yeah. on. Well, not even paperwork, but, it, like, I, I'm a Della Croce, like, yeah. del, of the cross, mm-hmm. you know, and that's beautiful, mm-hmm. too. But the, the reality is a lot of Polish people, a lot of Slavic people, they came here, they changed their name. Yeah. You know, it was it was And some in, of it was imposed. It really was. Yeah, it was fit in, fit into, yeah. like, what our projection of Correct. America is instead of just welcoming people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even like you look at immigrants and it's like, you know, welcoming immigrants, that's, that's no way to welcome an immigrant. You, right. know, you come in, you're like, you need to change your name. All right. So I, I had a little bit of vitriol for that yeah. you know, for a little while. So, I mean, there, there really was the case that the complexion of immigrants changed. And, and I think we're drastically, and we, mm-hmm. we're seeing this in our own society today that people don't want people other than themselves, right? They just don't. That's a, that's a thing that people do. And it's pretty, it's pretty ugly. Um, but that was happening to Catholics from Germany, from Ireland, from Italy, from Austria, um, from more Southern European nations. And it really gave rise to a very, very strong anti-Catholic and xenophobic reaction to all these swarthy, popish immigrants coming over and taking over their prim and proper Protestant country. Mm-hmm. And it became very wild. And there was a political party that gave rise that came that came to power during this called the know nothings. Mm. What? The know nothings. That was when was that? This is in the eighteen forties. So this God. is Right, you know nothing. You man. know nothing hey, for hey, I'm in the know nothing party. You're in the know nothing party. I'm the leader of the know nothing party. <laughs> <laughs> so originally, you know now we, you know everyone knows now that we have Democrats and Republicans. But when the country was first founded, we had dub- Democrats and Whigs, right? George Washington was a Whig. That was the political party. Uh, when that party kind of collapsed in the 1840s, there was a power vacuum, and the know-nothings filled that, right? Mm-hmm. 
But one of the very core things was that the know-nothings believed there was a Romanist conspiracy to subvert civil and religious liberty in the United States. And they really sought to organize that only native-born Protestants would be allowed to be in positions of power and prevent... Uh, Defend these beliefs that they had of how the country should be. What do you mean, Romanist? Psh, you Papist. like that Pope dude? Papist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So they, they made him yeah. into a cult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they so sometimes they were called the native nativists. Other times they were called the know nothings. Have you ever seen the movie Gangs of New York? Oh yeah. Great That's, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yeah. Oh, dude, you'd love no, that it's movie. So, it's about the Irish immigrants coming to New York, and and that is the know nothings. Yeah. That is that party. That's mm -hmm. that whole movie really? is about fascinating that yeah. historical perspective of, of this. And and if you haven't seen it, it's it's worthwhile. It's, it's amazing. It's a little violent, so you know, it really if kids is, are listening, it, it may not oh, be able to yeah, intense, maybe I shouldn't watch it. Yeah, yeah. So I think Delacroix, you yeah. might need to get your wife's permission. Yeah. So okay. Have, right, a, have a fill out a permission form, okay? I'm just, I'm, I got goosebumps right now thinking about it. <laughs> Are they Dolly Parton goosebumps? <laughs> you gotta cut that. Sorry. Cut the Dolly Parton. Sorry. He's bringing something from the Yes, I show. can't help it. I can't. Nah, help. leave it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just leave, leave it. it. We're still in the show. Howard, our, Howard our producer and editor, leave it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait a second. So... Yeah, this is this is very tense, right? Like, and in, there in, was in, riots that broke out in New York because um, during the, the draft for the Civil War, uh, they were drafting the Irish, but the Irish weren't allowed to vote, or they were treated horribly. The, they would hang signs in the windows: "No Irish need apply." Dude, this is what I'm thinking right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. Like, the United States was founded. A, a, a small group of people come over. They start. You know, they start projecting all of the things that that they're not, mm -hmm. and and we trying to weed them out, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it it runs right into slavery, right? I'm not even like, it really does, right? Because th then you have, like, I mean, you go to the 1950s, 1930s, even slavery. It's like it's the same thing. It's like these people are coming over; they're lesser than us. It's just like this fear that we have of like the other, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Right. The, and, and, the and, attitude against the immigrant, the attitude against the yeah. Irish, the attitude against yeah. the Italian, the attitude against the Polish, the attitude against all the Catholics, all of these different attitudes. Yeah. Because when you think about it, how were nations governed back then? Back then it was, look, we have a one single creed and one single system. And that was the way it was manageable for these small, unorganized, unmodern governments yeah. mm -hmm. to keep a people together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it talk about a battle royale. I mean, it was. I mean, they they were battling for leadership in this new world, in this new country. Wow. So the Spaniards, wow. the French, the British, you know, th but that that speaks to just the national tensions of where the gr greater Europe was in that place at that time. Yeah. So, you know, of course it's going to be that. And we still have those attitudes even still today. And they may not be so specific within our lineage where we're from. Right. Like I'm an Italian or I'm, yeah, you know, it's socioeconomic. Yeah. It's socioeconomic. Like a, it could be, it, it, street, it could be like, the color of your skin, yeah. but, but even attitudes that certain people have toward people from the Middle East or mm -hmm. people yeah. from, you know, just attitudes that can develop because you're a foreigner and you're an immigrant 
And there's an attitude there. Yeah. You know, and that's, that yeah. is not, yeah. you know, it, what America is. Yeah. That's not what America was yeah. founded upon. And yeah. I think George Washington has the voice here that we mm-hmm. need to listen to once again. And I'll make sure that I post that letter in full yeah. so that people can read it. So now these know nothings, they did a lot of anti Catholic campaigning. Um, they put out pamphlets, very popular pamphlets, like accusing. Uh, the Catholic Church of uh, bizarre satanic rituals that the church was kidnapping women and forcing them to become nuns. There is this one really ab- absurdly outlandish book called The Awful Disclosures of Maria Monk, totally fictional, proven mm-hmm. to be fictional, where they said this woman was kidnapped and forced to be a monk. I'm sorry, forced to be a uh, nun. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be a, a monk. monk. <laughs> and, <laughs> and shave was, your head. And the, the the backlash against this book was so bad that there was a Ursuline College and um, nunnery up in Massachusetts, <laughs> and a <clears throat> mob came and burned it down. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and like... So out of this know-nothing movement and this xenophobic anti-Catholic movement, um, that's where the distillation of a lot of the ideas of the Ku Klux Klan yeah, come from. Yeah. Yeah. And the KKK are founded, there are three things, African-Americans, Jews, and Catholics. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I got a story. The, the, the Spanish priest at Immaculate Conception. Yeah, Father Leon. He, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Guy cooked a horrible lunch. Oh, dude. He made you eat with him every time. And he had chicken in his freaking freezer that For was like 10 years, years old. Yeah, years right? old. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. I respect that guy Me more too. than anybody that I've ever met in my life. Yeah. This guy stood up to all of the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, mm-hmm. he was from Spain. Mm-hmm. So he had no idea. He's just like, no, man, love everybody, mm-hmm. right? So he came from a completely different, you know, uh, you know, demographic, you know, mm-hmm. completely different area comes over here and he's like, why are you guys whipping these dudes? You know, what are you doing? You know, stood up to him. Close <laughs> clan, like burn the parish rectory down, <clears throat> like threatened to kill him. And he did not back down. He did not back down. And, and out of all the bad food that I ate at his table, Ooh, <laughs> I still remember that day that I came over and I met you and we had dinner with him. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, it was horrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Out of all that bad food, yeah. the conversations that I had, the, 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 the grace from that was like an 86-year-old priest who was still active or mm-hmm. an 80-year-old priest mm-hmm. telling me about all these stories. And I did not want to leave his side. I was yeah. just like, I will eat your terrible me. chicken and listen to your stories. I will listen. No, it was all over his <laughs> chest. Like he just, yeah, he spilled it everywhere. It was, but he was old. I mean, he was yeah. a very old he, man at that point. Dude, God, uh, that guy is, is like a tremendous amazing. priest. So yeah. now, rest his soul. one priest that wasn't so lucky was father James Coyle. Mm-hmm. Now he was an Irish priest from Ireland, uh, working in Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, this is, in the 1920s. So the KKK has really become very powerful, right? Oh, yeah. And Father Coyle, as an Irish priest would, married one couple. And it happened to be that the woman was the daughter of a Klansman and a very powerful Klansman at that. And that the husband was a... Black guy. A Puerto Rican guy, a Puerto oh, Rican Catholic. just a little but, bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's still the wrong color. Right, right. So this, the father of that bride walked to the church, confronted Father Coyle, and shot him in the chest on the steps of the rectory. Oh, my gosh. And killed him, murdered him. Wow. 
Dude, that's um, that's terrible. And the thing that strikes me is there's so much history in of the Catholic Church where there's actually, in a sense, martyrs' blood. I mean, in, in the sense of what Father Leon experienced in Jacksonville and, and Father Coyle in here. the state of Florida and Father Coyle, where he was literally killed, the persecution is very, very evident. And, and the more that we're uncovering history in the state of Florida right now, we're over 100 martyrs in the state of Florida yeah. that died for their faith. But the interesting thing, too, is like you hear stories about Father Coyle. You you see these tensions and and what gave rise. And it's and it's not this kind of. You know, we're, we're not trying to present like this kind of pro-Catholic, like we're better than everybody else kind yeah, of a thing. Triumphalism. No, it, it, what what America presents is, in a sense, very Catholic as well in relationship to all nations. You know, but all that back to Father Coyle. So one of the real injustices of that case was that. Uh, the person who actually shot him was Reverend E.R. Stevenson, a, a reverend, Southern Methodist mm. Episcopal oh minister. Oh my gosh! Right? How are you Methodist and Episcopal at the same time? I have that no just idea. I don't. To me. I'm Catholic. <laughs> I don't know how all these things work. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. The if there's any Southern but Methodist you know Episcopals out there, Ryan Shield, I'm so <laughs> disappointed. How do you not know this? I don't. I don't. I just we're, don't. We're working on I this mean, together. Come on. So anyway, so what happened was. He was defended by a man, a, a lawyer, uh, William Fort, right? Mm -hmm. And this lawyer got the jury stacked with Klansmen. And this, the person who killed Father Coyle, this minister, was acquitted on grounds of temporary oh, wow. insanity because he was so mad that his daughter married a Puerto Rican Catholic. I mean... This, this was during my grandfather's lifetime. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, injustice... People, it's everywhere. It's all the time. And it's it been never in quits. every generation. Never quits. It's, yeah. it's been in never very, every generation. And that's what we have to be sensitive to. Mm -hmm. But we always have to keep our eyes fixed on the horizon of greater virtue and development and progress as a people, and, as a society. And America. Yeah. Because we are this is a, a free great people. Country. This is a phenomenon. There's yeah. no country like America. Yeah. Yeah. It's evolved and changed and adapted. And to there's this. always growing pains with that kind of change. Absolutely. And we're seeing that now. Now, but I, I, I have less hope for this current culture to be able to overcome these challenges because of the, the lack of depth and the lack of ability to have a, a real open debate Conversation. And, and, and seeing another yeah. person for who they are, not just as a yeah. avatar for some political stance or some um, um, reductivist view of a person as only a sexuality or only as an immigrant. And the People are so much more than that. The pervasion of that into our culture, mm -hmm. like through school, education, like, you know, we've talked about universities and mm -hmm. truth, fi finding truth. Like, gosh, I mean, like, seriously, it just bugs me. Mm -hmm. it's, we, uh, part of me fears that we're getting into idiocracy and we've just been dumbed down so much by the amount of media that we consume that we're not able to have a proper debate to really hash these problems out and to yeah. be able to treat all the people fairly and equitably, but also allow people to maintain their beliefs in a way that America is founded. Right, so, right. Which makes us grow. And, right. and, and, and it's so much softer now, right? Like, we're not dealing with like people showing up and killing people for marrying Puerto Ricans. Mm. 
You but, know, we've come far. Not on a large scale that stuff does happen, so that's not to minimize the, the individual cases that that happens, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as at these times. And, and right. you, could even, you could even look at, you know, people dying in the Orlando shooting at the nightclub, yeah. Yeah. for example. Yeah. So, you know, they clearly died because they were homosexual. Yep. So, but the, the issue that Shiel brings up is such a good point because it's it's superficial realities. Right. We're talking about someone's sexual attraction. Right. We don't have to agree with that to be able to love you it, as our it, neighbor no, and I, as a person. And, and, and that's I, not I, even I the, that's not even the point that I'm that I'm driving at right now. Right. The point that I'm driving out is human freedom and progress as a people and charity to the poor and living equitably as a people yeah. of many nations of a, a, a community of immigrants. Right. You know the fact that we have come this far as America, we can't let superficiality Break the back of something so strong that was yeah. rooted in the, the, the suffering of our forefathers, what the impoverished people from all nations throughout Europe and the Middle East and Africa and all Asia. Asia and all of the rest of the world. They're seeking refuge and freedom in this great country because we have the foundation that provides that freedom yeah. and that expression. Yeah, and let's so just not waste all that. We it, can't waste it. We've got to move it forward. We can't stop in this moment and base all of our argumentation on superficiality. Right. We are going to be held back. Yeah. Let me, let me be clear. Like where I was going with this was not, uh, you know, degenerating what is currently no, I, yeah, our issue. That, yeah. Like no, I, for sure. I, I was never doing that. I, I'm, I'm almost developing an anthropology of this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and to your credit, you're bringing up the, the current state and I'm, I'm there with you guys. But, but this, this, this country was a, it was a social entrepreneurial project. It was an right? experiment. Oh, it, it was is. an experiment. Yeah, the Vatican that, still that will call American democracy mm-hmm. It learned American from experience. everything from the West, mm-hmm. everything from the West. We're talking thousands of years. And it collided with people that crossed the Bering Strait. 20,000 years prior. Mm-hmm. Right. And that didn't go well either. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So the colonization, I mean, yeah. You know, and it's still, it's still at a point where it's just like this, you know, this little, you know, side piece, you know, like you got your Indian reservation, we'll put some casinos mm-hmm. on there. We got some alcohol problems. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you, but know, the, think, you know, honestly, l- let me just respond to that as well. My, my heart, ate, I don't know how you guys feel, but looking at the history books and, and looking how the native populations, you know, it, it was a, it was a barbaric time. No doubt. Yeah. I don't think anybody can say that with a, with a straight mind and clear conscience say that there wasn't some real atrocities and some incredibly unjust behavior on both towards, sides, on both sides, on both sides, on both sides. it was not, it was not one sided, but no. But no. it, it was very much a colonization, and, mm-hmm. and it yeah. can't be denied, but that also can't change where we are now. We no. have to be able to deal no. with it historically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was speaking more to my insensitivity yeah. with, with like, the the anthropology of America. For right? sure. You know, like, and, where and, we are today, I haven't even, like, come there. My, my mind and, and all the things that you're sharing, the depth of this really is like bringing this whole thing to my mind right now. And I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to like track it. But the, the, the generation itself in, in truth, because 
the greater majority of the entire world. We could look at it and say, yes, the Native American population suffered. Yes, the African American population suffered. Oh, the absolutely. Africans. We, yes, the the Catholic Italians, immigrants. the Catholics, the, the Polish, the My Irish, my grandfather, the, you know, whatever. Yeah. But we we can. But or, the or point, the Islamic uh, Muslim immigrants, or today, yes, or, yeah, or, yeah, correct. And homosexual, the, sexual the, attraction. Right. The, the point. Trans, you the know. point is, is. It was a suffering world. It's still a suffering world. And yes. the generation of what was is becoming and what we have right now, we could revert back into an extremely violent world. We could. And we could and we could fight each other over sexuality, nationality. We could fight each other over what our skin color is or what it's not. But we're not now. But but we're the just thi- Warring with words right now. We're warring with words, but we're not even speaking philosophically or intelligently about any type of dialogue that would actually benefit an entire people. There's nothing productive. There's nothing productive about where we are on a dialogical level right now. I agree. It's not happening. We need to turn this podcast into something more celebratory. Can we do that? Well, because it's the 4th of July, baby. Ah, but, where's the fireworks? I, 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 think, I, I think it would be revisionist if we didn't address some of these Okay. These days. Yes. All right. And we're, we're, we're talking about this. This is this is this is America. And it's Independence Day. Yeah. And it that is. wasn't an easy thing to accomplish. No. no. It, that's independence is is like a birth. It's giving birth to a nation. Yeah. And it's a nice way of birth, saying shut up, Ryan. There's labor birth. pains. <laughs> yeah, labor right. pains. So after this know nothing movement and the Ku Klux Klan, um, this there was really a pretty hard anti-Catholicism. Now, the first person to ever be nominated for a the presidential um, election was a Catholic man, a governor of New York, Al Smith. Al Smith. Al Smith. I like the name. Mm-hmm. Al Smith. It's easy to remember. Now, you probably still hear Al Smith's name that every year in, in a presidential election year, there's the Al Smith dinner where you typically mm-hmm. the Archbishop of New York will preside over it. Wow. And the two candidates get together and they make fun of each other. They roast it's each other. Roast, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a roast. really cool thing. Now, Trump didn't do it, I think, the last time mm-hmm. around. I don't know. Maybe couldn't take a joke. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, whatever. But it's a really great and venerable tradition and still named after Al Smith. Now, Al Smith Mm -hmm. um, was wild. You think politics are bad now, and they are disgusting now. (laughs) They really are. But the things they said about Al Smith were absurd. They said that Al Smith, uh, if he was elected— would um, immediately begin taking all of his orders from the Pope, and that America. This would, is not a roast. No, no. Oh, this okay. is what <laughs> this is what the know nothings and the vestiges of the know nothings and the nativists and the KKK spread about them. They said that if Al Smith was elected, that America would be taken over by the Pope, and that all of the orders of the president would be really be directly be coming from Rome. Mm. Yeah, pretty crazy. That That's, is. Well, yeah, that I reminds mean, like, me. That reminds me of JFK too. Because right. almost oh, the yeah. same exact thing happened to JFK. Yeah. See, but that was 40 years later. Yeah. And yeah, that's like, you know. And, and you think that we would have made a lot more progress in this kind of in uniformity. The church. But even but, though it was very substantial by that mm-hmm. time. No, yeah. for sure. You know. Yeah, and they they said he was they said he was a, a drunkard because he's an Irish Catholic and they're all drunks and that he was going to open the door to all kinds of immigrants and immigrants were going to flood the country and there's going to be Catholics everywhere. And that's you that's not unlike what we see in the politics and the news of today. Yeah. Crazy accusations that have no yeah. real bearing, no bearing and that are salacious that because people will sell newspapers. I almost don't whatever. even like. I don't watch this. 
honestly, like my wife and I, we look at the news and we try to discern like what reality is mm-hmm. from listening to it mm-hmm. or, or or looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, we do that. Well, you know, that's something that I've I've always considered in modern day politics is the logistical system of Aristotle and how a argument is completely dismissed when it bases its argumentation on emotion mm-hmm. and the appeal to emotion. Mm. And that is precisely where we oh, are yeah. In, yeah. in politics today. Yeah, I'm a good person because I believe that we should treat this person nicely. And it's like, let's arouse the emotions dialogue. on this side. Yeah. And then it's going to push per- yeah. you know, public opinion on this candidate so down. And then we need to you know, oh. return it with this. And and there is, yeah, going back, I mean, we're saying the same thing, right. but it's... It, it's it's an appeal and it makes the argument fallacious and and you yeah. know. Um, Do you say it makes the argument Felicia? Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. That's what we need to do with where we are right now. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. So yeah, Kennedy. Um, this is forty years later, and Kennedy was the first. Catholic, Catholic elected president. Yeah. Now, a lot of Catholics at the time, and even still to this day, say that Kennedy really set a pretty dangerous precedent for the way that a Catholic can be behave in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave a speech, I believe, I, I, I think I want to say that it was in Dallas, and it's called like the Dallas speech or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that he said- Is that I, when he was killed? No, no. Okay. This is why he, he hadn't been elected yet. Okay, and gotcha. He, he famously was trying to dispel, from a lot of people, they say that Kennedy himself wasn't very devout mm-hmm. and that, you know, his brother Bobby was very devout, but Kennedy himself, JFK himself, not terribly devout, but a Catholic, right? Allow me to say this. Hooked in. Before he was assassinated, he visited Mission Nombre de Dios okay. in St. Augustine. What? Wow. Yeah. Well, he was from Palm Beach, so he was at St. Anne's in his parish. They had a home there. or something down they there. They had a home down there. Yeah. I mean, th- that's where he was prior to going to St. Augustine. Yeah. Whatever. Went to St. Augustine. He was there. And that's he went awesome. to the mission grounds and then said, the mission of Nombre de Dios in St. Augustine, Florida is the holiest grounds in America. And he had a phenomenal devotion to Mission Nombre de Dios and had a very powerful encounter. And this was just before he went on that next trip to DC where he was ultimately, or Dallas, excuse me, to Dallas where he was ultimately assassinated. Actually, you know, I'm sorry. And it wasn't in Dallas. And that's that's crazy, but that speech was actually given in Houston, where we're recording right now. Okay. Oh wow! Okay. So it was given to a group of Methodist, Baptist, and Pentecostal ministers who were trying to oppose Kennedy, right? Because he was Catholic. Because he was Catholic, Golly, and he gave this, this speech. Like and this speech years ago. Mm-hmm. This speech really still has reverberations in our politics today. He said, "I am not the Catholic." candidate for president. I am the Democratic Party's candidate for president who happens also to be Catholic. I do not speak for my church on public matters and the church does not speak for me. That precedent has been really... I don't like that. It, exactly. It doesn't sound right. And the church the church leaders said, dude, you're copping out. You are saying whatever it takes to get elected. And you'll still see people... They really stood up to him? Because yes, they did. They don't stand up yeah. to anybody. Well, they don't anymore. Like. But yeah. They did. And, but now you still see politics say, well, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I think... 
whatever. I've, I've heard that so oh, many yeah, times. Dude, it's like the song and dance. You're and like, we know what? exactly which party that's coming from. My brain without is hurting from politics. listening to you. Mm-hmm. But you see it on both sides where, well, I'm personally, my religion, this or that. And this kind of mindset where you can divorce yourself, your person, your person in your service to your country as a representative from who you are is schizophrenic. Yeah. It's saying, I will do whatever. I will be, I'm sorry for the term, but I will be a I, whore to just get whatever things that yeah, people who vote it, for me will get across. If I, yeah. if I could, I, I've received a few people pastorally that are in public office mm-hmm. and they are Democrat, right? I've been listed from early on as Democrat. I, you know, and, and when it comes to specific things, like they're representing an ideology. Mm-hmm. And they will feel in a certain direction very, very strongly, as Catholics believe, pro-life. Mm-hmm. But they also, the reason why they are democratic is because of the economical system. And, right, because, but that's precisely why, that's exactly. why I would be. A, pre- a, pre- a preference for the poor. Absolutely. So, yeah. neither, so neither of the parties in our country come even close to being satisfactory neither, for, neither for Catholic <laughs> to vote when for. When it comes yeah. to, when, when it comes to a gospel. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so that's why it's this kind of, it's this wrestling match. And I could, I can appreciate the challenge. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump to say it's schizophrenic, but I would, I would say I appreciate the, the difficulty of that, but I do, I would ask Catholic politicians to be able to take a stand for life right. and be able to profess that very clearly because you're representing an ideology as a Democrat, yeah. but pro-life. And, but then, it's, but, and it's obvious. It's not like, you know, it's not like where do we send money to certain people in need and there is this dynamic there. It's just like killing kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's cut and dry. It's it is. Like, it's it's black like, and it's, white it's, as you, it's not, and, like, and you I understand it's economically like there's a lot of coloration. Oh, yeah. There oh, yeah. there's a lot of coloration and we need to look at that. Immigration is another but, thing. Bro, it's even in it's even in the gospels. It's like yeah. if you're not working you don't eat. You don't yeah. get paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, the, but, but the person who's there, who's hungry, you feed him. You feed him. That's right? it. So it's 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 this it's this balance, and we've got to measure that in a way. But at the, at the same time, when we when we look at the the political situation that we're currently in, we're we're in a dire need for real conversation. Yeah, I I I, I agree with everything you're saying, and. The, the amount of div- division in this country, it's heartbreaking. And there is no real Catholic party. And, and this kind of division in the political parties is tearing us apart. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, a lot of times I think if there's somebody who really ran for political office, who encompassed everything the Catholic church, church teaches, you know, um, against abortion, against the death penalty, uh, for immigrants and taking care of people, but also a just war, like the... Both and of Catholicism, I think, would be a very, very healing thing for the political mm-hmm. uh, and party nature of so our country. So are you running now? I'm uh, not. No, no, no. I am declaring my candidacy. Hey, hey, you heard but, it here. America. <laughs> but there's one thing that I think that we can all agree on. Every American should be able to say the Pledge of Allegiance, and that should be able to bring us together. Yes. Oh, our yeah. flag, our, our symbol of our national uh, unity is something that no matter who you are, is something that is yeah. unitive. 
And you got and, a good story behind and my, that. And my favorite part of the Pledge of Allegiance is the humility of the words under God. Under God. Under yeah. God. Mm-hmm. That's how every life should be lived. Yeah. Now, do you know how I got there, those words? Knights of Columbus. That's it. I got it from the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheating. Ryan Delacrosse read the show notes. I cheated. So the Knights of Columbus, one of the things that the Knights of Columbus did, and this is um, one of their pillars of the Fourth Order, was to really integrate Catholics into civil society and into America as as, as patriotic. America. And understand that Catholics could be, they wanted society to understand that Catholics were just as patriotic and just as devoted to their country Integration. as, as mm-hmm. anybody else. Integration. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they did a lot of things to help uh, politicians um, understand that Catholics were their constituents and that they were very patriotic, good, tax-paying, uh, law-abiding citizens who would fight to the death to defend this country. So one of the things that they did as part of this program was to petition multiple um, politicians to get the words under God added to the Pledge of, Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. And they were a powerful, they, they are a and powerful they still are. group in the United States. We Billions, are. Right? No, no. I'm but, a fourth degree knight. You are. Are you yeah, a knight? I got knighted. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a... I'm one of their online members, their new things. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah. about that. Listen, though. Listen, yeah. though. When they started, it was all about taking care of, you know, families that lost the fathers mm-hmm. of the families, right? Mm-hmm. And and it grew. I mean, and, and the beautiful thing about that is, like, that's such a need, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, if I were to die, like, having my wife being taken care of with all of our kids, beautiful, right? It developed into this massive thing and as it's growing it, it it develops power not not in a in a sense of wielding it for you know their own use selfish but, yeah selfish yeah, it's incentives just like, it's just like hey you look we're here you know so in 1951 the kfc had their national meeting and they you know how they have their you know men and notes mm-hmm. and everything in their national meeting they passed the um they passed the resolution that at their meetings they would now say under god um after the word one nation. Mm-hmm. And that was an internal thing that they would be doing at their internal Knights oh, of Columbus wow. meetings. So a year later, all the Knights of Columbus were doing this when they said the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of their mm-hmm. meetings. Dude, so cool. at the next year's meeting, they said, well, let's get this on a national level. This is great. Mm-hmm. So they sent letters to the president, vice president, and the speaker of the house. And they didn't get any response. So the next year at the meeting, you know what they did? They sent a letter to every single member of Congress saying, we would like to word add the words under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. That year, 17 different legislators in the House of Representatives put a bill forth to be passed to add the words under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. Praise God. Wow. And in 1954, one of the bills out of the 17 was passed by a joint resolution of Congress, and Eisenhower signed it on Flag Day, June 14th, 1957. And in that letter, he said, From this day forward, the millions of our school children will proclaim in every city and town, every village and every rural school, schoolhouse, the dedication of our nation and our people to the Almighty. Oh, my gosh. I just want to hug somebody. In this way, we shall Maybe constantly strengthen those spiritual weapons, which forever will be our country's most powerful, Powerful resource in peace or in war. 
That's awesome. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Do you know, I've I, like we were talking about before, very, very proud to be an Italian, very proud to be Irish, very, very, very proud to be an American. And on top of that now, I'm proud to be a Knight of Columbus. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just so wonderful to be a part of that history, man. Yeah, the Knights of Columbus are absolutely God amazing. God bless them. They do so much good, yeah. honestly. Even yeah. on, on the localized level in the parish, I've leaned on the Knights of Columbus from the time I was a seminarian all the way into the priesthood. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's just a reliable community mm-hmm. that have been so supportive in anything you want to do. They're right there to be proactive and involved. Now, I don't yeah. know if you guys went to Catholic school. One of the things that you'd always say, your morning prayers and the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but you've been to a baseball game and, you know, they start playing the national anthem or anything. And it's, I'm sure our listeners have done this. You start saying the Pledge of Allegiance at the end, you say amen. Because you're so trained to do that. You ever it's do that? Ju- I, I yeah. have done that. Yeah. I've done that. And that, that's probably because of my liturgical experience of just celebrating Mass and liturgy hours yeah. every day. And, 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 under God. and, and I Amen. have. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say this. When I was a youth director in, in Flagler Beach, Florida, I... Um, you know, I was involved in the Knights of Columbus. I became a fourth degree in honor of one of my substitute teachers who used to send me to the principal all the time because I was getting in trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was getting in trouble. And we became the closest of friends when I went uh-huh. through my conversion and I started to get involved. And I became a knight in honor of him, Carlo Tempesta. God rest his soul. He since passed away. And when he passed away, it was like two months later, I was at a, a dinner dance that the Knights of Columbus put on. And me and his wife, we, Mary, we won the... The, the dance contest that night. I danced with her all night. We That's had a, we had, it was beautiful, dude. And um, but the, the, we always finished every single dinner dance at the Knights of Columbus in the in the hall with the Star Spangled Banner, and we all sang it together. And that's the thing that kills me. You know, it it kills me because in that moment where we were all crying and tearing up from a beautiful experience as a parish, I I had to pull out a couple of hankies. Oh, wow. It's shocking. He pulled out his American flag. My American flag. (laughs) But, um, you know, the, the thing that strikes me when we all sing the national anthem together is that we are one nation under God. But so often in modern expressions and and song of the national anthem, it's like one artist who comes out and plays. And it's just so singular. No. I I want to be like other countries that sing proudly collectively together, you know, and and we need to sing out our national heritage. That's a great idea, right? You go into a stadium and you're like Nobody's singing Nobody's it. Nobody's singing it. We're, We're all singing, singing it. Yeah. We are all singing this. We're awesome. in this together, that's people. What we, we, that's what we need to get back to, man. Yeah. America. America, baby. <laughs> USA. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love this country. And I, I still have hope for this country. I do, too. I know there's divisions. I know there's people that I disagree with. Yeah. But I, I do fundamentally believe that they have the right to hold those positions that I disagree and with. Absolutely. I will love them. I will love them. But let's talk about it, dude. Let's, let's, let's figure let's this talk out. Man. About I it. mean, even through the talk, yeah. right? Talk is the biggest hurdle. But through that disagreement, even let's suffering have a meal. and pain, let's I have love a you, beer. man. I like, love you, brother. We are sister. in an awesome country. We let's, are, and, and let's never forget, we are one nation under God. Amen. And we are one nation we under one God. We should be indivisible. Yes, we should. Indivisible. I think, for, we should, I think we should say the Pledge of Allegiance, honestly. No, uh, but for all you guys out there partying today and <laughs> enjoying your hot dogs and your hamburgers and your beer and whatever you do, 
Like, we hope this podcast has brought something to your ears where you can appreciate yeah. our country more because it's brought a lot to me. Yeah, and, and we did this from the Catholic perspective, but there's been so many people that have built this nation. So many people Absolutely. have lost their lives. So many yeah. people have dedicated their lives. So many silent heroes. So many uh, valiant, uh, valiant heroes. And so many regular people who just day to day went to work and became the fabric of this nation that yeah. um, you really yeah. got to take some time today to reflect on that. And all the, all the, all of the people that came to make this nation great and the place that we live. Yeah. It's amazing, man. So we want to just say, be safe out there for the 4th of July. Remember why we're celebrating it and let's have a vision for the future together. And how about we, how about we finish with the pledge of allegiance? All right. I pledge pledge allegiance allegiance to the the flag of the the United United States States of America America and and to the Republic for which it stands one one nation under God, God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Peace. Thank you. Thank you, troops. Thank you, veterans. Yes. Yes.